Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. I've been to that place, as I'm sure some of you have, over in the Holy Land, on the Sea of Galilee, where you stand and imagine Jesus having come in on a boat to the shore. And then in this large grassy area, a grassy knoll I would describe it, uh, Jesus performs this miracle. I've pondered what that must have been like 2,000 years ago when Jesus sort of provided an impromptu glimpse into the compassion that he had for people who were hurting and needy and broken. And I'm telling you, it's poignant to stand there on the beach. It's poignant to imagine what that might have been like, beachside in the shade of a lakeside tree, taking it all in, imagining more than 5,000 men, women, and children gathered to hear Jesus, this itinerant preacher who was catching fire. And all of them were fed from a few loaves and a couple fish. And there were leftovers <laughs> besides. It's a great story. Arguably, it's one of the best known stories. Uh, best known of the miracle stories, at least, of Jesus' ministry. This story is known and can be retold in some way, shape, or form by most children who've ever been in the doors of a Sunday school room because it kind of catches your ear. It makes you want to know more. It captures the heart of Jesus. And like with most every miracle that's been witnessed and testified to in one of the Gospels in our Scripture, it's inexplicable, really. I mean, how did he do that? <laughs> uh, that, that abundance, that grace, this meeting of people with where they're at and with what they need, the provision of God, this generous and loving provision of God. I can remember hearing this story as a child in Sunday school. When I grew up in San Diego, Mrs. Stein was my Sunday school teacher year after year. I don't know why she kept signing up for that duty because we were pretty rough on her. It was almost all boys in those classes as we grew up. And I, re I can remember Mrs. Stein uh, telling us this story and holding up pictures or maybe a felt board with little action pictures on it. And sort of telling this story with her eyes wide open and almost whispering with excitement about what transpired that day. And I can remember discussing it with Hank and with my other buddies from church and that, like kids do. I can remember being amazed at it all and excited about it. I wondered about it. I mean, how do you ignore something as wonderful and miraculous and amazing as feeding 
over 5,000 people with just a few loaves and a couple fish. And I hated fish. (laughs) I still thought it was fantastic. But that was then. And now I'm all grown up. Really, way grown up. And to get caught up in the minutia of the story is really to get lost. Or trying to explain how it likely happened, or even arguing about miracles with somebody who just doesn't believe them. And so I want to begin with the fact that this miracle happened. It's one of many that took place in Jesus' lifetime, we're told, but Apparently, it's one that is important enough to have been told in the Gospels. And the fact is, I look at that miracle now as an adult and I think, well, that miracle still happens sometimes in our world today. Where things unexpected happen. And where a little turns into a lot. And where you think you're making a small, insignificant contribution and something fantastic is produced by it. And this miracle is likely to happen over and over again and again in our lifetime. Those places where God's compassion meets human need. And when you witness that kind of a miracle, don't you just sit back and say, wow, Wow. And now I've come to some peace knowing that not everything in Scripture has to be explained. Um, And it need not be. And as I've grown older and older, the less and less explanation I need for things. I just simply call it the wow factor. So as I read this story in the Gospel of Matthew again, thinking about this week and preaching, what caught my eye were a couple of little things in the story. And if you were here last week, I talked about little things and how sometimes fantastic things happen, like a mustard seed turning into this miraculous bush. These three things caught my eye. The first thing that caught my eye was reminded that the reason... If you look in Scripture and you read this in its context, you see that this story occurs right after the disciples and Jesus had gotten word that John the Baptist, his cousin, and his predecessor in ministry, the one who prepared the way, had been in prison by Herod and had just been beheaded. So they had just gotten word about this, according to Matthew's Gospel. So his cousin was gone. The second thing I noticed is that when they landed on the shore, there's this huge crowd waiting for them there. No doubt Jesus' reputation had preceded him. And when they finally came to shore, right away the first thing he has is compassion. For them, He doesn't say, what do you need? What do you want? What would you like to hear? The first thing Matthew tells us is he had compassion for this huge crowd. He had a heart for them. 
And the third thing, a little detail I noticed in this story this year, the end of the account, where you get this little detail that, and they all ate, all of them, they all ate and were satisfied, and then they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces that were left over. So, first of all, the story's context. After the news of the beheading of Jesus' ministry partner and blood relationship, his cousin, John has this tragic ending. I mean, Jesus knew tragedy in his life. Jesus knew what it was to lose someone. And so, in reacting to this news, there are times when that kind of news and that kind of loss just seems overwhelming. And, and so what does he say to his disciples? But he says, let's get out of here. Let's go out on a boat and get to a quiet place. And so that's what took them out onto the water in the first place. And there are times, aren't there, when things aren't going right, when things are going tough and rough for us, when things are too much. I think this story is affirming. Jesus felt what we felt. Sometimes life is too much. You just got to get away. You got to escape. We know the feeling. We've felt what that's like. We've been to the doctor's office. We've been to the funeral home. We've been through chemotherapy. We've been through the rough stuff. Kids that are uh, frustrating. You know, we've been there. We've done that. And I think that the lesson in this story there is that notice it doesn't preclude Jesus from noticing the needs and the hurts of other people. So even though he's hurting and he's mourning and they're grieving, he pulls into the shore and he still notices people have needs and they have pain. The second thing I see in this story is we're kind of told about the motivation of Jesus and his ministry. Matthew's really clear about it. He had compassion. That's his motivation. And that's what we're called to, is compassion. Compassionate lives. To experience and be in touch with the real needs and hurts of those feeling full on the weight of this world. We simply can't find that disgusting. We must find that motivating. Not disgust, not sympathy, but compassion. That's what we're called to. To look upon people who are hurting and in need with open hearts, with our best passion. And the third thing I noticed, this go around with the miracle, is Jesus and his disciples were just so very careful with those leftovers, weren't they? Now, I hate leftovers. I won't eat them. You ask my wife. We bring stuff back from restaurants, and that's all theirs. Uh, anything left from the dinner table, anybody else can have it. But we're talking here real literally, not just leftovers, we're talking the crumbs and the fragments. All of that gets swept up into these baskets. 
12 basketfuls of the crumbs and the leftovers. It's a strong message, I think, tagged on to the end of this story as if to hold us all accountable for how we deal with the leftovers. And I mean the leftovers in our world. It's to hold us all accountable for how we deal with broken people, those living on the margins, those living on the edge, those who've been left behind. Apparently, as people who love Jesus, who are trying to follow Jesus, who like any good disciples with a rabbi, we're trying to be more and more like Jesus, right? That's why we follow this rabbi. Apparently it matters that we pay attention to and that we care about the leftovers. The hungry people on our streets and in our world who are so very difficult sometimes to love and to care for. Yet we must, with compassion, during the minutes I spend at brunch on a Sunday morning, think of the number of people who have been hurt or died just from simple lack of resources. I think about the lost children and the trafficked women of our world who have no one to care about them, no one to pick them up, I think of the mentally ill who I see every day out on the streets who have been released from services and institutions, left to wander, to occupy abandoned buildings, to occupy our sidewalks, to occupy our landings and bridge abatements and empty lots, who survive on begging and scrapping and taking rather than getting the help they need to be safe to live their best lives. I think of those people. Now, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I know you're all aware of the leftovers. But I wonder who will scoop up these broken pieces carefully and compassionately into baskets? Where does one begin to get at these issues? How do we do it? How do we demonstrate sincere compassion in the name and in the fashion of Jesus? Well, to any human being who's ever felt like a scrap or a leftover or a fragment, this concern of Jesus is good news, isn't it? Some of you maybe have been there before in your life. But it's also a great challenge to all who claim to be followers of Jesus. And so this fall, beginning in September, we hope that here at the Neighborhood Church, we're going to present you with a couple of new opportunities to do this, to sweep up and gather some broken pieces. How exciting it would be to to activate the hundreds who are worshiping here, who call this church home in a ministry of compassion. To move you just from these seats into the community and into the world, how exciting that would be to have hundreds of people swept up by you. And it will be a time, too, to celebrate many of you who are already out there, 
in the community doing this, picking up the broken pieces. We want to celebrate that. So keep an eye out for that in the fall. We'll sign you up on the dotted line. (laughs) Today at Christ's table, we're going to come up here and be fed. Here we're going to experience the largesse of God's love for you. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we were perfect, but when we were lost. Here, at this table, we lay at the foot of Jesus our burdens and our hurts and our cares. And we lay the people we care about. And we accept the grace offered us in the bread and in the cup. And as we taste this reminder here today of God's amazing grace and goodness for us, we may also be reminded of those in our world who are waiting to experience it still. We could be those, couldn't we? We could be those who are part of Jesus' movement in the world, loving and having compassion for those who desperately need it, some who don't even know they need it. It could be our privilege to gather up, to pick up, and to share. So, I've wondered this week about those broken pieces in the story. I've wondered, whatever happened to them that day on the beach 2,000 years ago? And I suspect that Jesus is wondering, Just what will we do with our broken pieces? Stay tuned. (laughs) Amen. Glory be to you, Heavenly Father, through Christ our Lord, who with the Holy Spirit reigns eternally, one God, now and always. Amen.